الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدينهم سبلنا ان الله لمع المحسنين سبحان ربك رب العزه اما يصفون سبحان ربك رب العزة أما يصفون وسلاما على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم is the last prophet and this deen of Islam is the last deen to be revealed on earth and our ummah is the last ummah to ever be uh, to ever live on this earth So because this is the last deen, this is the last ummah, this is the last sharia, this is the last sacred law, so Allah SWT did something special in our sharia in order to make it last for all times, all places, all conditions until the Day of Judgment. Allah Ta'ala outlined all the basic purposes, all the maqasid, all the goals of the sharia, but in some cases Allah Ta'ala left the means, and, uh, the means to attain those purposes vague. Allah Ta'ala left those open to people, the scholars of the time to come up with because every time, every age, every place may have a different need. So, uh, Hazrat Tam has given many examples of this in the Qur'an. The first example is Allah Ta'ala said in the Qur'an al-Kareem, وَإِنْدُ لَهُمْ مَسْتَتَعْتُمْ مِنْ قُوَّةٍ وَمِنْ رِبَاتٍ خَيْلِ تُرْحِبُونَ بِهِ عَدُوَ اللَّهِ وَعَدُوَكُمْ that Al-Fatah says that prepare for the unbelievers, however much you can, from your strength and from the tame horses, such weapons that will place a fear into the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and such weapons that will place a fear into the hearts of your own enemies. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayat laid out a principle for us, a goal for us, is that we have to develop enough capacity, that we have enough weapons that instill fear in the hearts of the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not tell us how to do this, Allah Ta'ala did not send any limits on how to do this. Allah Ta'ala did not specify how to do this. Allah Ta'ala left this open for each and every time. Obviously, if somebody takes this ayah literally at face value and prepare from amongst the tame horses, where everybody will know now in modern day warfare, tame horses will not be enough to come across any enemy. But for today, you have to prepare the latest and the most advanced military technology. So what Allah Ta'ala did in this ayah, in the Sharia, is that He put forth a goal presented a goal before us, a purpose before us, and left it to us to do our best to attain that goal, however best we could, according to the needs of the time and society. The second example in the Qur'an of Kareem, Allah SWT says, That verily we have revealed the Qur'an, and verily we are the ones who will preserve it. Now preserving the Qur'an, imagine what an important task this is. The most important thing that we have is the book of Allah SWT. But Allah Ta'ala did not tell us how to preserve that book. Allah Ta'ala did not set out any specific way to do the hifazat or the caretaking of the Qur'an. Rather, it left it to the ummah, left it to the sahaba and the later scholars how they chose to preserve the Qur'an. For example, at the time of Rasulullah the written Qur'an that we have it in this collected form wasn't available. And at the time in the Khilafat of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq wasn't available in the sense that it wasn't available in this present form that we have it. Otherwise, the entire Qur'an was present. But in this binded form, in collected in one form, with the vowels, with the marks, etc., it wasn't available at that time. How did this gradually come out to be? First of all, in the time of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, in the famous battle of Yamama, 
400 Hufaz, 400 Sahaba who were Hafiz, who had memorized the Quran, were Shaheed, were martyred. So Sayyidina Umar saw this and he thought that, well, if we have preserved the Quran in our breast, but if those of our Hufaz amongst our Sahaba are becoming martyred, then it is time that we also preserve the Quran in a proper way, in hard copy. So Sayyidina Umar gave this advice to Sayyidina Abu Bakr but Sayyidina Abu Bakr, he didn't uh, approve at first. He said that, how can I do that thing which Rasulullah neither he did in his life, nor did he tell us to do? It's neither amongst the Sunnah Rasulullah neither did he collect the Qur'an in this manner, nor did he tell us to collect it in this manner. But Sayyidina Umar used this ayah and explained that, no, Allah Ta'ala's purpose is that the Qur'an be safeguarded. Allah Ta'ala's purpose and aim is that the Qur'an be preserved. So we have to do whatever we can do in our time to preserve the Qur'an. When Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq realized this, that the true sunnah is always to fulfill the goals that Allah Ta'ala has laid out in the Qur'an, even if maybe Rasulullah didn't actually do it that way. So then the Qur'an was compiled, gathered and collected on different parchments, on different leaves, until we had a fully compiled written version of the Qur'an. And then Sayyidina Uthman he took this one step further, and he made four standard editions, four hard copy standard editions of this Qur'an, four mushaf, and, and sent these editions to the four corners of the world. But then later on, the ulama felt that there was still a need. They saw that when Islam was spreading, different people were coming into Islam from different communities, from different languages. They were having a difficult time reading the Qur'an. Because in the Qur'an that Sayyidina Uthman Radhan prepared, there are no vowels, there is no fatha, no kasra, no zamma. There are no dots above and below certain letters. For example, a ta and a ya, the difference is that there are two dots above, it's a ta, and if there are two dots below, there is a ya. In the Muslim Sayyidina Uthman, there are no such dots. So as Islam spread, as new and new people entered Islam, so they found it very difficult to read this Qur'an. So then the ulama of the time added these marks. Then later a time came when the people didn't know the science of ilm al that went to stop on reading the Qur'an. So the ulama added all kinds of marks in the Qur'an, and today even in the Qur'an that you have sitting here, published from Waterville Islamic Institute, in the back there's a whole glossary of all types of different marks at the end of an ayah. If there's Allah, what are you supposed to do? If there's a fraud, what are you supposed to do? So many different marks were added to the Qur'an. All of this was done after the time of the Sahaba, even after the time of the Tabin, even after the time of the Sabai Tabin, the division of the Qur'an into different rukus that enabled us to the Hafiz to pray to the with ease. This was also done later on. All the things were done to make it easy for the people to read the Qur'an, and all of these things were done to preserve the correct tajweed, the correct pronunciation of the Qur'an. Why? Because these were purposes that Allah Ta'ala commanded us to fulfill. And when we have a purpose that Allah Ta'ala gives us, then the ulama of the time can take whatever permissible, jayz, halal means they can to fulfill that purpose. The third example is the famous hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam where he said, Talabul ilmi furidatun ala kulli musliman wa muslima that the seeking of religious knowledge, the seeking of dini ulum, is mandatory upon every Muslim man and every Muslim woman. Now at the time Rasulullah said this, there weren't any specific sciences that were in vogue at the time. There was no science of sarf, no science of naho, no science of Arabic grammar. Even the science of hadith itself later developed. The Sahaba did not know what is a sahih hadith, what is a hasan hadith, what is a zaif hadith. The Sahaba did not know what is a mursal hadith, what is a marfu hadith, what is a munkati hadith. The Sahaba did not know what is Sahih al-Zatihi, Sahih al-Ghairihi. The ulama came up with all of these things to preserve the Sunnah of Rasulullah Just like to preserve the Qur'an, the ulama developed new and new means and methods 
just like that to preserve the sunnah, to, prefer, to preserve the literature of hadith, the ummah came up with more and more methods, even up to this day, that now we have the famous six collections of what are called the Siha Sitta, and any student of knowledge who wants to say that he studied the hadith, he must study these six collections. So the common thing in all of these examples is that Allah Ta'ala set out a purpose that Allah Ta'ala wanted us to obtain, but Allah Ta'ala didn't specify exactly how we are to achieve that purpose. Rather, Allah Ta'ala left it up to the ulama of the time, and the hikmah, the wisdom behind this, was so that Islam would last until the day of judgment. Any new need that would come up, the ulama would be able to fulfill it. For example, if the ulama drew the line at collecting the Qur'an, and in today's time when we needed those marks, who would have added those marks if Allah Ta'ala in the Qur'an said, Collect the Qur'an and always keep it as it is. And those of us who have a difficult time reading without the mark, how would we have been able to read the Qur'an? So rather Allah Ta'ala left these things open-ended. Just like that in the Sawah. All the things that we've been talking about for the past two to three days, about nisbat, about having a connection with Allah Ta'ala, about qalbun salim, about having a purified heart. So many ayat we read about a purified heart. Anywhere in the Qur'an does Allah Ta'ala say how to obtain that purified heart? No. Allah Ta'ala left that science open for the different ulama, the different mashayikh, the different shayukh of the time to develop ways for the masses to obtain those Quranic objectives, to develop ways for the masses to purify their heart and to purify their soul. In a hadith, Rasulullah said, إِنَّ فِي جَسَدِ بَنِي آدَمَ لَمُضْغَطًا إِذَا فَسَدَتْ فَسَدَتْ جَسَدُ كُلُّهُ وَإِذَا صَلَحَتْ صَلَحَتْ جَسَدُ كُلُّهُ أَلَا وَهِيَ الْقَلْبِ that know that in the body of every person is an organ. If that organ is spoiled, then the entire body is spoiled. And if that organ remains healthy, if that organ is intact, if that organ is pure, the entire body is pure, know that that organ is the color of the heart of a believer. And such a big hadith, such an important thing, that we have one thing in our body that if it is fine, all of us is fine. If it is spoiled, all of us is spoiled. But there is no clear specific mention on how to keep that heart pure. Yes, we find one hadith where Sussam said, لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ ثِقَالَةٌ That every, know that each and everything has a polish. وَثِقَالَةٌ قُلُوبِ ذِكْرُ اللَّهِ And the polish of the heart is the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this much of a guideline we got, that in order to purify our heart, to polish our heart, Allah ta'ala has prized for us His remembrance. The remembrance of Allah ta'ala is what keeps the heart polished, will keep the heart from spoiling, will make your kalb kalbisaling. But how to do that zikr? How long to do that zikr? Which zikr to do? How can you learn that zikr? Should you come up with that zikr on your own? Do you have to learn that zikr from somebody else? Again, all of this was left open for the ulama of the time to decide and describe to the people. In another, uh, in uh, another saying, Allah Subhanahu wa says, "Inna Allah la yanzuru ila suwarikum." That Allah Taala does not look at your external appearances, wala ila amwalikum. Nor does He look at your wealth or your property or your possessions or your belongings. But walakin yanzuru ila kulubikum wa amanikum. But Allah Taala looks at your heart and your good deeds. So there are two things here that Allah Taala will look at. He will look at our our amal, our actions and our deeds, and He will also look at our kulub. So if somebody thinks that just by doing amal I will succeed on the day of judgment, Allah Taala said no. Allah Taala is going to look at two things: your external actions, your amal, and your inner condition. And by looking at your inner condition, Allah Ta'ala means that Allah Ta'ala will look at your heart. So if you spend your life working on, on amal, doing good deeds, but you don't realize that Allah Ta'ala is also going to do an internal examination. Allah Ta'ala is also going to perform our biopsy on the Day of Judgment. Allah Ta'ala is going to look inside and see how pure our heart was. So if you don't purify your heart, 
if you don't have this worry of fixing your heart in this life, then you will fail this test in the Day of Judgment. So everybody has to do two things. We have to rectify our external actions, but we also have to worry about this skull, this heart, this organ inside of us, that if it is pure, our entire body is pure. If it is salim, we will enter Jannah without any hisab. Now when, when Rasulullah also mentioned that the polish of the heart, the way to clean the heart, the way to make your heart pure is by doing the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, now it was left up to the ulama that how should they prescribe this zikr. The ulama never come up with anything on their own. They always base it on the Quran and Hadith. Some ulama looked at the ayah, وَذْكُرْ إِسْمَ رَبِّكَ That, oh, oh you believe, remember the name of your Lord. So the name of your Lord is Allah. What we call the ismi zat or the ismi jalala. Allah Ta'ala said in the Quran and remember the name of your Lord. So some mishaykh said that you should do the zikr of Allah, Allah, Allah. Other mishaykh looked at this ayah and it, uh, looked at this hadith where Rasulullah Sallallahu That you should uh, be abundant in saying La ilaha illallah. So some mishaykh looked at this hadith and said, okay, the zikr that you should do to polish your heart is the zikr La ilaha illallah. Some mishaykh looked at the verse in the Quran, وَذْكُرَبَّكَ فِي نَفْسِكَ that remember your Lord inside of yourself, internally, quietly, secretly. So they prescribe zikr kalbi or remembrance of the heart or zikr khafi, a secret remembrance. Other mashayikh looked at the, the, the immediately following words of the Quran, dunul zihri min al And by looking at this, they said that no, you should do zikr with your tongue and you should do zikr out loud. So the ulama and mashayikh, looking at the different needs of the people, looking at the different personalities of the people, looking at the different tendencies of the people, prescribe different types of zikr, different ways of remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the thing that unites all of them is that the purpose of all these different types of zikr is that one maqsad, that goal that Allah ta'ala outlined in the Qur'an. All the types of zikr that anybody does, the purpose is to attain a pure heart. The purpose is to attain that qalb al-salim. The purpose is to polish your heart however which way you may do it. And the sayings of the Mishaykh themselves testify to this. Hazrat Mawlana Rashid Amin Gugoy Rahmatullah writes in his Muktabat that know that the purpose of all the azkar, all the different ways of remembering Allah Taala, is to attain what they call the huzur kalb to attain a presence of heart. That your heart should ever, should always be aware and your heart should, you should always have so much presence of mind and presence of heart that your heart is always focused on the remembrance of Allah Taala. And then he goes on to write that this is the heart that Rasulullah had. That Rasulullah's heart was always in a state of remembrance, always thinking about Allah. So for you to try to attain that heart, this is actually part of Ittibai Sunnah. Because this is one of the Sunnahs of Rasulullah that his heart always remembered Allah. So when we want to follow the Sunnah of Rasulullah, we cannot just limit ourselves to the external Sunnah or the Sunnah A'mal, but we also have to have the Sunnah Qawd. We have to bring that heart that is according to the Sunnah. And that heart is according to the Sunnah, which is always remembering its Lord. So Hazrat Gangori writes that the purpose of any and all different types of zikr is nothing other than to attain this heart, which has the presence of Allah inside of it. Hazrat Shah Ismail Shaheed writes that the likeness of all these different types of zikr is just like medicine or a cure or treatment given to a sick person. And once he becomes healthy, then he can carry about his work. Just like that, that that person who manages to purify himself, who manages to attain a certain level of tizkiyah, then he can go on and do whatever sinnah of the deen Allah Ta'ala has ordained for him. Hazrat Mujandid al-Fusani, Imam al-Rabani, Sheikh Ahmed al-Hindi writes in the Maktubah that the purpose of all these states and all these types of zikr is nothing other than to attain ikhlas. 
Ikhlas means purity and sincerity in your heart. That your words are exactly according to your deeds. That your tongue is exactly according to your heart. So Hazrat writes that the purpose of all these zikr is just to attain ikhlas. Why? Because that person who has ikhlas, he gets the rida, he gets the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa That person who is pure and sincere, he earns the pleasure and contentment of Allah subhanahu wa Now if anybody was to say that they can attain ikhlas without doing any type of zikr, well that's all fine and well. But we'll just ask that person, just check and see that. Do you ever get any thoughts of the dunya in your salah? Do you ever get any sinful thoughts throughout the day? Do you have a difficult time protecting your gaze? Do you have any spiritual illnesses? Do you have lustful desires? Do you have worldly desires? Do you have base desires? Do you have anger? Do you have impatience? Do you have a temper? Do you have greed? Do you have love of the world? Do you have love of status? Do you have jealousy? Do you have envy? Do you have hatred and spite for your fellow Muslims? Do you have conceit? Do you have vanity? Do you have pride? Do you have arrogance? If you have any one of these things inside of you, then know that you have not succeeded. You have not attained the goal that Allah Ta'ala wants you to attain in the Qur'an. You have not purified your heart. If you are able to free yourself of all these sicknesses without doing any zikr, mashallah. Because the purpose that what we really want is to attain that purpose. But there are very few people who can make that claim that they are free from all of these illnesses. So they must adhere to the hadith of Rasulullah that the polish of the heart, the cure for these illnesses is the zikr, is the remembrance of Allah and they must practice this zikr and learn this zikr among, from those qualified ulama and shayukh who have learned this from their elders and who teach it in a way that is according to the sharia and the sunnah. Now the different zikrs that our mashayikh have taken from the Quran and hadith all of these were done <coughs> out of the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what happens when a person starts doing zikr is he feels the layers of hypocrisy removed from him. He views himself that he was living a hypocritical life. He used to say one thing, but he used to do another. He used to say one thing, but he used to think another. He used to say one thing, but he used to feel another. But while he starts remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more and more, then Allah ta'ala gradually erases the layers of hypocrisy. And he feels that a newborn Muslim comes forth from inside of him. That he was an encrusted, a rusted, a blackened, a hardened, a hypocritical soul. But by polishing his heart, by polishing his soul, by remembering Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, Allah Taala removed these levels, removed the layers of rust from his heart, and he himself will see the light of iman, the nur of iman coming forth from inside of him. The first zikr that our Mashaikh teach is what is called wukufik alli. The word zikr means to remember. And zikrullah means to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to recollect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to think about Allah ta'ala in your heart at all times. Ibn Tamir rahmatullahi said, Hazrat Shaykh Hafiz ibn Tamir rahmatullahi said, that zikr is for the heart as water is for a fish. And as much a fish needs water, he cannot live without water. His entire life depends on being in water at all times. Just like that, the iman of a believer, the nur of the iman of a believer, depends that he... Uh, it's dependent that he remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he is in the state of zikr of remembrance of his Lord at all times. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran al-Kareem فَذْكُلُونِ أَذْكُرْكُمْ Allah subhanahu wa commanded us that remember me and I will remember you. Again, this is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was enough for Allah ta'ala to command us to remember him and leave it at that. It was enough for the Malik, for the master of all the universe to command us that you are my slave, you must remember me. 
But in exchange for that, Allah Ta'ala said that if you remember me, Azkurukum, I will remember you. How magnificent must Allah Ta'ala remember us? We cannot even imagine what it must be like, in what manner Allah Ta'ala remembers us. But our mashayikh have opened it up for us a little bit, and they say that what it means by Allah Ta'ala remembering us, it means that Allah Ta'ala sends His mercy, His rahmah, His forgiveness, His maqfirah, His nur, His light, His fez, His beneficence on the hearts of those who remember Him. And He polishes their hearts, He cleans their hearts of the filth and the dirt, that have gathered in their hearts because of their sins and their khaflas and the heedlessness of their Lord. And another, in Hadith Qudsi, Allah SWT said, فَإِن ذَكَرَنِي فِي نَفْسِي ذَكَرْتُهُ فِي نَفْسِي That if he remembers me in his self, فَإِن ذَكَرَنِي فِي نَفْسِهِ ذَكَرْتُهُ فِي نَفْسِي That if my servant remembers me inside of himself, if my servant remembers me internally, then I will remember him inside of my thought, inside of my being, from the essence of the being of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He remembers us. This is when the hadith could to look at the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look how much we will get from remembering Allah ta'ala. And another hadith, the Surah narrates that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ana jalisu ma'aman zakarani, that I am the companion, I am present, I am sitting with that person who remembers me. So any person who sits to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he can just imagine as if Allah ta'ala is sitting alongside of him. That Allah ta'ala is his companion. Allah ta'ala has chosen to be with him while he remembers him. Hafiz ibn Qayyum says that in one, he has written one of his books, there are 100 benefits of doing zikr. An Arab poet said, لِسَانِ وَكَلْبِ يَفْرِحَانِ بِذِكْرِهَا that my tongue and my heart are pleased, are content, are happy in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he says, وَمَلْمَرُوا إِلَىٰ قَلْبُهُ وَلِسَانُهُ And what is a human being except that he has a heart and a tongue? In other words, what are we made of? What do we truly have? We have this heart and we have this tongue. And the pleasure and the happiness of the heart and tongue lie in the zikr, lie in the remembrance and the recollection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This zikr kalbi, this internal zikr, what is the benefit of this? One benefit is that you can remember Allah Ta'ala in your heart at all times, in every condition. In your ibadah, you should remember Allah Ta'ala in your heart. At the workplace, you should remember Allah Ta'ala in your heart. If your tongue is busy talking to somebody, if your tongue is busy dealing, having a business dealing with someone, but still your heart can remember Allah Ta'ala. So the zikr of the heart, it means it's generally to remember Allah Ta'ala in your heart. It has this blessing to it that you can do it 24 hours a day at all times in any condition. The second blessing to the zikr of the heart is that it is secret, it is private, it is personal, it is between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So much so that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the hadith that even the angels do not know when a person is remembering Allah ta'ala in their heart. They just feel that they can see a beautiful fragrance emanating from his heart. And they see this beautiful fragrance and on the day of judgment when that person's deed will be presented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala will ask the angels, is there anything else you have to present? And they will say, oh Allah, at some time from a servant of yours, a beautiful fragrance used to come from his heart. But we didn't know what it was, so we didn't know how to write it down in the book of deeds. He was so hey, angels know that this was my servant, he was remembering me inside of himself. He was secretly, privately, in his innermost corner of his heart, he was remembering me. So I kept that hidden from you also, that was between me and my servant. And today the reward for that is also between me and my servant. The third thing is that know that the tongue is not even the seat of remembrance. Whenever we remember something, we remember it with our heart. We just show that remembrance with our tongue. 
For example, if a mother sends her child away to madrasa, if her mother sends her child away to college, if her mother sends her child away to school and calls her son up, she'll say, Bilal, I am remembering you all the time. It doesn't mean that she's sitting in a corner of the home and saying, Bilal, 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 Bilal. No. It means that inside her heart, there's not a single moment where she forgets about her son. She always remembers Bilal. She always remembers her son. Even if she is talking to her friends, even if she is making the food, even if she is with her other children, but her heart never ever forgets Bilal. Just like that, the true condition of a believer is that no, wherever he may be, whatever he might be doing, he never forgets Allah Taala in his heart. He always remembers Allah Taala in his heart. What are the proofs that you should remember Allah Taala in your heart from the Quran? So the first ayah, Allah says, That all you who believe, remember Allah Ta'ala abundantly. Remember Allah Ta'ala as much as you can. Remember Allah Ta'ala all the time. So obviously, if we were to remember Allah Ta'ala with our tongue, then it's impossible to use your tongue to remember Allah Ta'ala at all times. Because sometimes you have to speak with someone, sometimes you're eating, you have to use your tongue for different things. But Allah Ta'ala has freed up your heart. Allah Ta'ala has given you this special organ that if you want to, you can use this heart to remember Allah Ta'ala at all times. The second place, and what do you get from remembering Allah Ta'ala abundantly? Allah Ta'ala says, وَالذَّاكِرِينَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا وَالذَّاكِرَاتِ اللَّهُ لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةً وَأَجْرًا عَظِيمًا That Allah Ta'ala prepares for those of His, those of his servants who remember his male believing, the believing men who remember him, and the believing women who remember him, Allah Ta'ala sends his forgiveness on them and bestows upon them a great reward. In another ayah, Allah Ta'ala says in Surah Ali Imran, Alladina Yadkurun Allah Kiyamun wa Kauna wa ala Junubihim that they are the people who remember Allah Ta'ala while they are standing, while they are sitting, and while they are lying on their side. So if you reflect any person only has one of three conditions. Your physical position in life will always be one of three things. Either you are standing, or you are sitting down, or you are lying down. There is no fourth position that you can have. So when Allah Ta'ala says that those people who remember Allah Ta'ala standing, sitting, and lying down, it means Allah Ta'ala wants you to remember Him all the time, in every position, 24 hours a day. And the only type of zikr that you can do 24 hours a day is the zikr of your heart, is the inner zikr, is the zikr of Kalmi. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas ta'ala anhu in the tafsir of this ayah says that this means that those are the people who remember Allah Ta'ala in the night, remember Allah Ta'ala in the day, remember Allah Ta'ala on land, remember Allah Ta'ala on the ocean, remember Allah Ta'ala while traveling, remember Allah Ta'ala while stationary in their homes, remember Allah Ta'ala in states of wealth, remember Allah Ta'ala when they are poverty stricken, remember Allah Ta'ala when they are sick, remember Allah Ta'ala when they are healthy, remember Allah Ta'ala quietly and secretly, and remember Allah Ta'ala in a gathering. This is the meaning of those who remember Allah Ta'ala at all times. In a hadith that Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu narrates, she said that كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يذكر الله على كل أحياني that know that Rasulullah used to remember Allah Ta'ala at all times so this is the sunnah of Rasulullah that he was always in a state of remembrance he was always remembering his Lord now this thing that we call wakuf kalbi this means to remember Allah Ta'ala at all times wakuf comes from the word wakuf which means to pause so wakuf kalbi means to pause your heart to maintain your heart, to still stop your heart 
on the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do not let your heart deviate, do not let your heart go astray into thoughts of Allah, into thoughts of other Allah, other than Allah, but to cause your heart on the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us this ability that if we want to, we can keep some things in our hearts at all times. We can keep a thought in our background running at all times. The example of this is how the top sometimes gives is if some person, his wife tells him to go get some vegetables from the market. And he leaves his house to go to the market and on the way he finds a friend. So he stops on the way and starts talking with his friend. But all the time he remembers that my initial purpose, my original purpose in leaving the house was to get the vegetables. He won't forget that he has to get the vegetables. When he leaves his friend, he'll go get the vegetables and come back home. This shows that Allah Ta'ala has given us the ability to do two things at once. On the one hand, he is talking with his friend, but inside his heart he is remembering that he has to get the vegetables. Just like that when a student has an exam coming up. If you see any student when he has any type of exam, whether it's a madrasa exam or a college exam, when the exam is one week away, that student is in an examination state. He is in examination mode. Every second of the day he knows that his exam is coming up. That examination is looming on top of him. He will never forget about his test. He might be on a study break. He might be on the phone with a friend. He might be stopping to eat something. He might be stopping to drink something. He might be driving on the way to the library. But every second he knows that I have this examination coming up. So this means that a person has the ability to process something in the background. Just like in a computer you have Windows. Windows is an operating system. It's always running in the background. No matter what programs you put over it, Windows never stops functioning. It's always there in the background. Just like that, a true believer in his heart always remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter what he is doing, he has a cord attached from his heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is always in a state of remembrance of Allah. This is why Mashaikh says that that moment in which a person forgets Allah, it is as if he is a kafir. Because if you open up his heart, it's empty. If you open up the heart of a kafir, it's also empty. So the only difference between us and a kafir is that we use our heart in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, how to do this Bukuf Akamai? It's actually the real purpose of what we have gathered today. But now we have learned, heard so many things about this Nisbah, so heard so many things about a pure heart, heard so many things about Zikr, have seen all the evidences for all of these things in the Quran and Hadith. But how do we practically do this? How can we practically focus our heart in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So to do Bukuf Akamai means that you focus your attention on your heart and then you focus your heart on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first thing is that you have to be aware that you have this heart inside of you. Until you know the importance of the heart, you'll, be, you'll even forget that you even have a heart inside of you. So all these ayahs, the previous few days, were meant to instill the importance of the heart inside of you. But if you know that you have this valuable, precious thing, then you should remain focused on it throughout the day, and then focus your heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the way to do this is to think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all times. This zikr kafir this 24 hours dicker, it just means to think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to remember Allah ta'ala at all times. Anything that comes in front of you throughout the day, anything that you do, you have to make it a means of remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you do something with your family, that while you're with your family, look at your family and view them as a blessing of Allah ta'ala, and immediately that will lead you to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything that you do, you have to seek a means of making it a way to make you think about Allah. We are exactly the opposite. If we sit in the masjid, we find some means to think about the dunya. If we're standing in, in salah, we somehow our nafs find some way to make us think about the world. If we're reading our Quran, our nafs find some way to make us think about the world. So just like the dunya is so overpowering on us that we're always thinking about it, 
So wukuf al means that you have to make Allah Ta'ala overpowering in your life. You have to bring Allah Ta'ala back into your life. You have to reconcile that distant Lord. You have to stay away from those things that keep you from Allah Ta'ala. So throughout the day, every, each and everything that comes in front of you, you should use it as a means to think about Allah Ta'ala. One of the things that the Mashaikh prescribed to assist you in this is that for everything you do, you must form a niyyah. Form an intention. For example, there's sunnah du'as. The first thing is that you should memorize all the sunnah du'as for each and every action. The du'a before eating, the du'a after eating, the du'a before entering the masjid, the du'a for leaving the masjid, the du'a before sleeping. But in addition to that, at each and every point, you should make a niyat in your heart. For example, when you recite the du'a before eating, Bismillahi wa ala barakatullah. At the same time, link that act of eating to Allah Taala, and make this intention in your heart that, Oh Allah Taala. I'm eating this food with the intention that I will get enough strength from this food, I will get enough nourishment from this food, that I will use the strength and nourishment that I get from this food in your ibadah, in your worship, in your zikr, in your remembrance. So each and everything you do, while you do the sunnah of du'a that's affiliated with that thing, alongside make a niyyah, make an intention that somehow joins that thing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you sleep, when you recite the, the uh, say, bismika amutu wa ahya, when you recite the sunnah du'a sleeping, at that same time make a niyyat. Link that act of sleeping back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Say that, oh Allah ta'ala, I lay myself down to sleep so that I may get enough rest from sleeping so that I may rise fresh in your ibadah. That I may rise for tahajjud so that I can remember you at these special times. So each and everything in your life, whether it is a worldly thing or a religious thing, you should make an intention of that and link that intention back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this will be a test for you that anything that you cannot make an intention, anything in your life that you cannot link to Allah SWT, know that that thing is some level of sin. That thing is some level of ghasma. That thing is somehow keeping you away from Allah. Because to the best of your ability, you cannot link it with Allah. That means that thing is purely a ghayrullah. That thing is other than Allah. That thing will make you different from Allah. That thing will distract you from Allah SWT. So each and everything in your life, you have to link it to Allah SWT. Another way of keeping wakuf al is to actually think that your heart is saying Allah, Allah, Allah. This is when you have free moments of time. For example, many of us, we get sit on a bus and we have no book with us. We have nothing to do. We just sit there for one hour on the bus. So normally what a person does is he processes different thoughts. He starts thinking about different things or sometimes he just goes blank. He just goes empty. He doesn't think about anything for one hour. He veges out, what we call in English slang. Right? He enters a vegetative state. His mind goes blank. Why? You should make use of that time. Spend that time in wukuf al Maybe it is too awkward in front of the people in the bus to actually do muraqabah, which we'll talk about tomorrow. But at least while sitting there, just think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just think in any way you can about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The doors of ijtihad are open to you in wukuf al You can make better intentions than the one I gave you for eating. You can make a better intention than the one I told you for sleeping. You can link each and every action in better and better ways each and every day with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can find new and new ways to think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just look up at the sky and maybe you look at the vastness of the sky and you think, Oh my Lord, you are even vaster than this. Look up at the stars and say, Oh Allah ta'ala, forgive me for my sins which may be greater than the stars. You can look at the stars and say, Oh Allah Ta'ala, I praise you as much as there are stars in the, in the sky. You can think of the sands and the beaches and think, Allah Ta'ala, I love you as much as there are grains of sand in the beach. Just find new and new ways to think about Allah Ta'ala. Just like a person when he's in love with a worldly love. When a young man falls in love with a woman who he's not supposed, with a strange woman. And he thinks about her in all kinds of strange ways. 
He's thinking about her every day. He never tires of thinking about her. Just like that, the true believer is in love with Allah. That know the characteristic of the believers that they are crazy mad about their Lord. They are they adore Allah. They are in love with Allah. What is the requirement of love is that you think about your beloved at all times. So the doors of Ijtihad are open to you. Use your own creativity. Use your own ingenuity. Think carefully. Try and try to think about Allah in more and more different ways. To remember Allah in more and more different ways. This is all that it means by Bukufa Kambi. Think about Allah in any way you can, but just make sure that your heart never forgets Allah for one moment. Why? Because Allah's wujud, Allah's even His presence is so great. But on top of that, Allah gives us His qurb, His proximity, His ma'iyat, His closeness to us. How can we forget Allah? How undeserving will we be? How deceitful will we be? Means that they did not truly fulfill the rights of their Lord, fulfill the rights of Allah as they were supposed to. One meaning is this, that you should have been thinking about Allah at all times. And then the benefits of Wukuf Akami. The benefits of remembering Allah at all times, number one, it will improve your salah. Because when a person comes to salah and says it's takbir tahrima, if all day he was forgetful of his Lord, then just by doing this he has to do 100% of the work. But if throughout the day he remembered Allah Ta'ala, if he remembered Allah Ta'ala 20% of the day, then he only has to do 80% of the work by this. If he remembers Allah Ta'ala 50% of the time, then he only has to do 50% of the work by this. And if he remembers Allah Ta'ala all day long, then when he comes for a salah, it's very easy for him to concentrate on salah. Or it's very easy for him to focus on Muraqabah. It's very easy for him to detach himself from the dunya and reflect on Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala because while he was in the dunya, he made a partial detachment. While he was in dunya, he remained himself attached to Allah Ta'ala by way of a kufa kalbi. The second benefit of doing a kufa kalbi is it gives you a perspective on the dunya. Because once you detach yourself from the dunya, once you disengage yourself from the dunya, the, the reality of the dunya will open up in front of you. When you sit and you do a kufa kalbi in a gathering, when you remember Allah Ta'ala in a gathering, then the nature of that gathering will be opened up in front of you. An example is, for example, a person who stops watching TV and leaves TV for 10 years, if ever he walks into a house, all of a sudden the people are watching TV, the scene looks so strange to him. He looks at these people, he looks at these pictures on the screen, and he says, what are these people doing watching this screen? But that person who regularly watches TV, it seems like something normal to him. Why? Because the reality of that act, the reality of the ghaflat, the reality of the heedlessness of that act, is, 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 uh, is unveiled in front of that person who remembers Allah Taala. So the more you remember Allah Ta'ala, the reality of your dunya will be exposed in front of you. And then you will be attached from the dunya. Until you attach yourself to Allah Ta'ala, you will not be able to attach yourself from the dunya. The third benefit of Wukuf Akalbi, the third benefit of remembering Allah Ta'ala at all times is that it becomes very difficult to sin. Because normally when a person sins, he sins in a state of forgetfulness. If you ask any young man who commits a sin, that at the moment you were sinning, at that time were you remembering Allah Ta'ala? To say, at that time I wasn't remembering Allah Ta'ala. I even forgot that I was even a Muslim. I had no recollection of Allah Ta'ala. I even forgot Rasulullah Sallallahu I even forgot that I'm somebody who has read the Kalima. I was truly absorbed. I was intoxicated. I was lost. I was drunken in my sin. But a person who has Wukuf Al-Kalbi, who remembers Allah Ta'ala throughout the day, when you're in a state of remembrance, it is very difficult to commit a sin. Because you are attached to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. How can you be attached to Allah Ta'ala and then commit a sin? Either you will have to break that attachment, or you will have to break off that sin. So those of us who want to leave our sins, an easy way to do that is to increase in your wakufa kalbi, is to increase in 
pausing your heart in the perpetual remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these are the techniques of Rukufa Kalbi, these are the tricks of Rukufa Kalbi. It just means to think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all times. To think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as much as you can. To make this the purpose of your life. Until you make this a purpose in your life, it won't happen on its own. Until you develop a craze for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Until you make it your mission. Until all day long this is what you're thinking about. For example, when somebody who's very worried, you can see that his mind is occupied. People ask him, although he's quiet. People say, what are you thinking about? A penny for your thought. What are you thinking about? Well, you, you also should become like that. That you should be preoccupied with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your mind and your heart should be engaged in thinking about Allah ta'ala. Until you actively try to do this, it won't happen on its own. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to be amongst those who remember Him. May Allah ta'ala make us amongst those who love Him and who find new and new ways to love Him, new and new ways to think about Him. Everybody will have their own style. Everybody will have their own way. Everybody will have their own beautiful relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All you have to do is take that first step. Allah Ta'ala says, I'm with my servant when he draws near unto me. If he comes to me a hand span, I draw near unto him, I draw unto him an arm's length. If he comes to me walking, I come to him running. Just take that first step and try to think about Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala himself will make it easy for you. Allah Ta'ala himself will make you think about him more. Allah Ta'ala will open up the doors of his remembrance. Allah Ta'ala will open up the doors of his love. Wa akhiru dawana and alhamdulillah